Buffalo is largely a fraud, one of the more fraudulent teams in the NFL. Pretty sure Josh Allen is Mitch Trubisky 2.0 with some minor upgrades, but nothing special. Wow. Just throwing it out there. I think Josh Allen has taken a legitimate leap. I think Josh Uh, Allen is not a starting quarterback of a football team by 2021. You are out of (laughs) your mind. All right. Okay. I think he'll get exposed. I think as this season goes along, he will get exposed. Yeah. Do you remember that playoff game last year? That's the single worst sports thought I've heard in 2020. (laughs) can't be possible. I yeah, just no, said put is. a roof on Wrigley Field. That can't be possible. This is worse. Okay. Dude, he, say that is the single worst okay. sports thought. Where my people at who live with their parents till their mid-30s? <laughs> All right. Thanks, dude. <laughs> you're going to do me like that, Sean? To start off the show, you're going to do me dirty like that. That's not right, dude. What's wrong with that? I mean... I may or may not quadruple down on that hot Josh Allen take at some time in the next three hours. I am Rami Makhlouf here with you from noon to three. Sean Anderson on the other side of the glass. I was going to open. I didn't know that you were that. You, that's how you were opening the show. And I was actually going to start off by saying you may remember me as the idiot who sat in with Danny Parkins and called Josh Allen Mitch Trubisky 2.0. And you just beat me to the punchline is all you did there. And what I'll say is that you said you wanted to talk Bears for a segment. And I said, oh, great. This the is true. will work perfectly. <laughs> this is true. I do want to talk Bears with you to open things up. We got a jam-packed show for you between now and 3 o'clock. Like I said, you may remember me from uh, some stints with Danny Parkins and or Matt Spiegel couple months back. I also host afternoons for uh, the Scores Sister Station up in Milwaukee, 1250 AM. The Fan, I am Rami Makhlouf. Coming up on the show here between now and 3 o'clock, we'll have Josh Nelson of the Sox Machine podcast joining us at 1220. Sox are playing right now. We'll keep you up to date and abreast of anything that goes on in that game. Cam Ellis of NBC Sports Chicago and also does some things. I'm sorry, what? You're good. He, he uh, got, he got uh, let go from there. Oh, really? He works now for Odyssey Sports. I was Well, I knew he was for Odyssey Sports because I read his article at 670score.com yesterday, and it drove me nuts, and that's what we're going to talk about in a second. I was just going by his Twitter handle. I was going to say for NBC Sports Chicago and Odyssey Sports, but I did not know that. My bad. We'll talk with Cam coming up at 1 o'clock. And one of my favorite people, the first person I told Sean I wanted on the show when I found out I was doing this stint, in the Chicago sports media, Russ Dorsey will join me to talk some Cubs from the Chicago Sun-Times at 2 o'clock. And we'll also get into plenty of nonsense with Russ. If you know his uh, sports-adjacent podcast from the House of L Empire, then you know that he is down for some nonsense. So that's coming up at 2 o'clock with Russell Dorsey. But as as Josh just said, um, I wanted to start, or Sean, excuse me, I wanted to start off with some some Bears thoughts. And it... These thoughts were sparked by the piece from Cam Ellis, who, like I said, we'll be talking to at 1 o'clock here on the show. And just just the title, just the headline drove me absolutely nuts. Why we might learn a lot about Ryan Pace's job security from Bears' first-round pick. And I knew exactly where Cam was going. Before I even started reading the article, I knew exactly where Cam was going with, with this piece, just based on the headline and 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 the 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 flashing lights at the top of the article about what the Bears first round pick might mean about Ryan Pace's job security and future with Chicago Bears. And you probably know where it's going. And it's if they let Ryan Pace trade up to go and get the next quarterback of the Chicago Bears, trade future assets to go up and get the next quarterback of the Chicago Bears. And that can't be a thing that happens. 
that cannot be a thing that the Chicago Bears organization lets happen. And I know you don't want to bring a GM back after a mediocre year like they just had when his, his job security wasn't questioned by people like me in the media wondering if he should or will be brought back. And then you do bring him back. I know it's probably not good business or policy to bring him back with any restrictions or handicaps or handcuffs. But I just, I cannot trust this guy to evaluate and draft a quarterback, much less give up future assets, when this has to be, this has to be a make-or-break year for Pace and Nagy, for the combination of Pace and Nagy. And sitting here, what are we, 10 days away from the NFL draft? And just the thought that Ryan Pace could have the flexibility the capital, the leeway, the leash to trade future assets, to go and get a quarterback is is mind-blowing to me and also says to me that this might not be a make-or-break year. That's what Cam gets to in the article, that if if they do allow him to give up future assets, then, then that might mean that you're giving him the leash of whatever the timeline is to develop the next quarterback. And that can't be that can't be the case. That cannot be the case that Ryan Pace and or Matt Nagy are going to get 3 or 4 years to develop another quarterback. Think about that. Think about what we've all been through the last 2 or 3 years and we're going to give these guys the leash of developing another quarterback. But the thing that I would think is if, if you are putting him in this situation, wouldn't you want to make have him make the best move possible? And I think that with the rumors of Mac Jones possibly going third, you have Zach Wilson going two, you have Trevor Lawrence going one. That leaves Justin Fields, who was the second best quarterback prospect. Or, for or the, Trey Lance. I or, get or it. Trey Lance. I get but it. Like, Fields, to me, I, I think if they get Fields and they go up and trade and get you know go and get him, that's a win for, for the Bears no matter who the GM is, whether it's Ryan Pace or whether it was the new guy they hired, because I think that's just smart value because he was supposed to be the second best and I didn't see anything that you know should have said that he wouldn't he in, shouldn't be the second best in, quarterback in, in a vacuum track. in a vacuum what you're saying makes sense Sean in a vacuum what you're saying makes sense but here's the thing I like Justin Fields I kind of like Trey Lance I see I see high upside for both of those guys but I I just don't trust Ryan Pace to eva- evaluate and draft a quarterback and if he likes Trey Lance I don't <laughs> if he likes Justin Fields, I don't. I change my mind. And even if they are the right guy, even if they are the right guy, I don't trust Matt Nagy to, to coach that guy up and get the most out of him. Like when 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 they when they signed Andy Dalton, and then the next day, of course, because this is what Ryan Pace does, he leaks out to the national media. Oh, hey, guys, we tried for Russell Wilson. I don't even remember what the trade was. I, I Honestly, I erased it immediately from memory because you just put that out there to try, to try and make us feel better about who our GM is and how hard he tries, and I'm done. I'm, do- I'm done feeling good about people trying hard to get a quarterback in Chicago. No, thank you. I'm past that. But even if they did pull that off, and I know Lawrence came on, he came on my show in Milwaukee, and I know he came on his show here, here on 670 The Score and, and had similar thoughts and sentiments. Even if you got Russell Wilson, given what you would have had to have given up for him, 
both in players on the roster right now and draft picks, I don't know that I trust the combination of Pace and Nagy to put a good enough team around Russell Wilson to be competitive for a Super Bowl for the next two or three years. So I don't care if they can trade up far enough to get Justin Fields. I don't care if they can trade up far enough to get Trey Lance. The only way that I would be happy with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy getting their hands on another quarterback is if they somehow went up and got Trevor Lawrence with the number one pick. That's the only way. And I know that's not happening. I'm sorry. They just don't. A, I don't trust them to evaluate and draft quarterbacks. B, even if he gets the right guy, I don't trust Nagy to get the most out of him. C, they shouldn't be allowed to invest any of the future because this should be it. And D, they already, they already got their shots with Glennon, Mitch, Foles, and now you get Andy Dalton. You get a fifth quarterback? What GM gets a fifth quarterback? Good ones. Uh, but also, uh, to that point, like if they get Fields or, or, or Lance, those both guys have, have great running abilities. And we saw with Trubisky, exactly to your point about Nagy, they took that away from him. They exactly. didn't want him running. Exactly. So, so what, are you going to draft a quarterback and then take a, away some of their best talents? Right. Exactly. Unless you get, it seems like unless you get the guy who is exactly what Matt Nagy wants for his offense, it's not going to work. And he's going to try and peg that square peg through a round hole like he tried to do with Mitch Trubisky for so many years. As a matter of fact, call me crazy. 312-644-6767. Call or text and call me crazy. But you know what I, Sean, you know what I thought they should have done at the quarterback position this year? Once they said, we're bringing back Pace and Nagy, you know what, and maybe maybe I'm just, I don't know, maybe I just like torture, but you know what I thought they should have done What's that? once they brought those two guys back? You have, if you're coming back, if I'm the McCaskies and I'm bringing back Pace and Nagy, if you want, if you want to keep your jobs and come back, you come back with Mitch Trubisky, and that's the only option you get at quarterback, all right? You finish your broccoli before we get up from this table. Or like when, when you catch, I, I don't have kids, but I've heard, actually, I was a kid who got caught smoking and my parents did this to me. But I've heard that if you catch your kids smoking, you just sit them down and make them smoke the whole pack, right? Just to show them how bad smoking is. Like you will learn your lesson. That's what Crazy. they should Thank you. That's what they should have done. That's what they should have done with Pace and Nagy. They, the, they should have been stuck with the triumvirate of Pace, Nagy, and Mitch and say, you guys will figure it out together or you will not figure it out together. You will be exposed and disposed as a unit. We're, we're, you don't get another quarterback. Try and get the most out of the one you already invested the future to get before we move on to another one. Matt, try and do something different with your offense before we go – and get and make a lateral if that move in Andy Dalton, a guy who the last time he was a quality quarterback in this league, Jay Cutler was still the quarterback of the Chicago Bears. I mean, I, the, the thing that I would look at with that, though, is can you then make the argument that their quarterback, that them being stuck with a quarterback and you have to make a quarterback worth work is that they they sold them on Dalton? Like, is that the worst case scenario that you're saying, like, they should have been stuck with Trubisky and make Trubisky work in his offense? But Mad Nagy thinks that Andy Dalton, they're, they're because, of, us, because of the money, is, is a better option. They're telling us the same thing about Dalton that they told us about Foles. Like, why, are we, why, why would the McCaskies or us as fans fall for this again? They're telling us the same exact thing about, Dal- about Dalton that they told us about, about Nick Foles. Veteran, good fit for the system, 
blah, 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 blah. And then guess what did we find out last year when we saw Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky? That Mitch Trubisky is actually the better quarterback. And imagine if you let him actually run with the football and use the strength of his game, which is his legs and his athleticism. And you know what? Since we're here and talking about Mitch Trubisky and you open the show with that clip of my hot, t- my hot Mitch Trubisky, Josh Allen take, I'll go ahead and quadruple down on that right now when I said that Josh Allen was Mitch Trubisky 2.0. All right, here's what I mean. And the Bills see it too. And I'm not backing off of this. Here's what I mean when I say that Josh Allen is Mitch Trubisky 2.0. And I still have my questions about Josh Allen, despite what we saw after I said those crazy things. All right. His decision-making abilities are questionable. And we found that out with his recent thoughts on the vaccine. But, but, (laughs) what, what Josh Allen is, is a slightly better version well, probably a, a, a better, I won't even say slight, he's a better version of what Mitch Trubisky would be if he had a coach who wanted to coach him and, and, an, and an organization that knew how to foster the success and development and growth of quarterbacks. That's what Josh Allen is. And the Bills see it too. That's why Mitch Trubisky is now Josh Allen's backup. They see that he has some of those same qualities that Josh Allen does, and they'll use him better. I promise you. Mark my words. Mark this tape. And play it when I come back, Sean, and make it make me look smart next time I come back. If Mitch Trubisky gets on the field, and I don't wish anything poor or bad for Josh Allen. If Mitch Trubisky gets on the field, he's going to look like a much better version than what we saw with the Bears and closer to Josh Allen than most people would think. Mark my words. See, I don't disagree with that. I just disagree with the notion that you were implying that Josh Allen might be bad. I think that he is. And here's, here's I, the I think, other thing. I think he's probably at least probably a top 10 quarterback for the eh. next 10 years. Eh. Here's the other thing. Top 10. Here's the other. I don't know if he's top 10. Here's the other thing. Okay. I, I very well could be wrong about this Josh. And quite honestly, I hope I'm wrong. Josh Allen seems like a nice young man and it'll cost him a whole lot more money if I'm right than it'll cost me if I'm wrong. I'll still be on the radio. I'm here to entertain. I'm not here to be right. All right. So <laughs> I hope I'm wrong about Josh Allen. And it's very possible that I could be, Sean. But what kills me is the arrogance of 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 the Josh Allen camp that I that they think there's no way I could be wrong. Like y'all forgot about Carson Wentz. Like y'all forgot about Jared Goff. Like y'all forgot about Mitch Trubisky. In 2018, did we think I know we didn't think that he he wasn't like in the MVP talk ever, okay? He was never gonna be that. But in 2018, were any of us thinking about a change at quarterback when this team was a double doink away from a Super Bowl? No. So a year or two from now, we could very well be talking about Josh Allen in the same vein as a Carson Wentz or as a as a Jared Goff. Is that crazy? Am I'm, I the arrogant one to think that I can't be wrong? Trubisky didn't throw 37 touchdowns and 10 TDs. He didn't throw for 4,500 yards. Like, what about Carson Wentz and Jared Goff? What did they do? I, I think they were worse, but I, I see your point. But I, and if, I, I totally understand the idea that maybe next year Brian Dable's offense gets figured out and Josh Allen looks worse. I, I, I totally see that. But I, I think that the issue with Trubisky was that he was never this solid. No, 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 no. no. It, like, not- le- like Josh Allen was. And I, I think as long as he makes sure that he is staying within the offense and they're game planning game to game, I think Allen's going to be fine. Most quarterbacks get exposed. And this is what happened to Carson Wentz and Jared Goff. Most quarterbacks who aren't as good as their numbers may look get exposed when they get that big contract. And now the roster around them starts to get whittled down a little bit because the, the money is getting distributed a little bit differently. So let's see, let's see what Josh Allen is after the Bills make the decision to go and pay him. 
and and if he gets exposed or not. Th- then then tell me I'm wrong. But to just act like I can't be wrong, that's 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 the arrogance. It's not my it's not my arrogance to say that Josh Allen might not be as good as he looks. It's your arrogance to say that there's no way that that's possible. Quick break on six seventy score. Uh, Josh Nelson from the Sox Machine podcast. He'll join me next. It's Rami McLaughlin. As Yohan grounds it to second, it's knocked down by Arroyo, and he does beat him. So, 4-3 on the ground ball. It was a near opportunity. Instead, Boston will win it 7-4 in the series opener. That was yesterday. Sox falling to the Red Sox. I'm Rami Makhlouf. 6-70 to score with you until 3 o'clock. Talk some Packers with Cam Ellis at 1 o'clock. White Sox up right now. Turn your TVs down. Turn your radios up. They lead one nothing on those Red Sox in the bottom of the first inning. Tim Anderson, got to be good to see him with a first-pitch home run to start things off in Boston this afternoon. Joining me right now on the Alpamani Hotline, Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or APNissan.com. He hosts the Sox Machine Podcast. Pleasure to welcome in Josh Nelson. Josh, how are you this afternoon, man? I'm doing well, and you mentioned it, but the White Sox are off to a good start in this uh, doubleheader on Sunday. Yeah, and it's it's got to feel good to to see that because you hope, Josh, that the the White Sox struggles to this point are 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 you can't say that they're all due, but hopefully largely due to just a couple guys, including Tim Anderson, who've been missing from this lineup, and and they get a little bit healthier and and a little bit closer and on track to what Sox fans were hoping start hoping to start this season. Yeah, Tim Anderson's the catalyst. Even yesterday when they were down 3-2, with him getting on base and then stealing second and then terrible throw from Boston's catcher, goes into center field and he gets him to third. He he not only has the power, but with his unique speed and his contact ability now, the fact that he can get himself on base more consistently and have Adam Eaton, who's having a good start to this season, batting behind him, gives the White Sox opportunities. The opportunities haven't been a problem. The White Sox have been doing a good job getting on base. The problem is that Jose Abreu and Yoan Makata and Yasmani Grandal are off to slow starts, and they're not cashing in on those opportunities. But it's only 14 games into the season. They're playing game 15. If those three players start getting back into rhythm and start getting back closer to their career numbers, then this White Sox offense should be more efficient in scoring runs. Can this offense be efficient enough with without Eloy Jimenez, who obviously suffered the injury before the season started? No, they're not going to be as good as we thought preseason with Eloy Jimenez. I, I think without Eloy Jimenez, they're probably going to score 70 to 80 fewer runs than projected before the season. They just don't have another 40 home run bat uh, within their system. Uh, Andrew Vaughn right now, man, I think he's going to Charlotte once minor league baseball opens up in early May. Uh, he, if you look at the stat cast numbers, it's not looking good. And he looks like someone that has never played above double A baseball because he hasn't. And I think he just needs more reps again. I'm not going to say inferior pitching, but he needs to play every single day to get those reps. He's not playing every day with the white Sox. Uh, we're, we're seeing Jake lamb for the first time in his career start in left field. Uh, so I think we may see Vaughn uh, at the beginning of May go down to Charlotte. You got Jake Lamb. He helps, but he's nowhere near the same caliber as Aloy Jimenez. So the White Sox are trying. I mean, if it wasn't for your mean Mercedes and his fast start, uh, not only would it be a problem left field, but it would also be a problem at DH. But 
good news is that Mercedes is off to a good start, and he's helping fill that void. But, yeah, this White Sox offense is going to really depend, I think, on three critical hitters, Anderson, Abreu, and Nakata. And if Anderson's the only one hitting and hitting well, then, yeah, what you see right now from the White Sox in the first 14 games is going to continue. So what is the answer in left field? If you're saying Vaughn is headed back to the minors in in May and, and, and Jake Lamb is the other guy that they're using out there right now, do they have other options, whether it be in the minors or, or some, some chess pieces on the major league roster that they can move around and try to cover left? What do you think is the ultimate solution for left field? Well, I, I think what the White Sox next move is going to send Adam Engel to left field and have him play full-time in the next homestand. Uh, according to both LaRusso and Rick Hahn, they've been hinting that Engel and his strained hamstring should be ready to return to the White Sox in the next homestand. So Engel's going to get some run. And we'll see. Uh, he's played every day before, and his offense, his bat, uh, really impacted his value. He's a gold glove caliber outfielder. And when you have him and Luis Robert in center, and that mean in right field, the White Sox defensively have a good outfield, but that doesn't necessarily mean it helps out on the offense. And Adam Engel is really good against lefties. You definitely want Adam Engel in your lineup against a left-handed pitcher. But we'll see on the adjustment because he's missed so much time with this hamstring injury. He missed the final week of spring training, and he's going to miss the first three weeks of the season. Uh, can he quickly catch up, and can he get into rhythm? Because if Adam Engel can't, and the White Sox offense is still sputtering, and the front office believes that they can still win the American League Central, I have to think they, this is an area they're going to have to make a move before the trade deadline to get another bat to help out the offense. Unless they get really good news that Aloy Jimenez can return as soon as August and not September. A Kyle Schwarber type of return, an unexpected big bat coming back at the end of the season from what you thought might be yeah. a, a season-ending injury. Well, the, the the offense hasn't been the the only disappointing aspect of, of this White Sox team. Really, what, what a lot of folks thought was the strength of this team, maybe the backbone, was the bullpen. How, how alarmed are you from what you've seen from that bullpen early this season, and how much of it do you just go, small sample size, we know they're better than this, and they'll turn it around? Yeah, that's a good question because there's some performances where I say it's a small sample size, they'll turn it around. Like Liam Hendricks. I expect Hendricks to get back to the all-star caliber lever that he is. One pitcher I'm concerned about is Garrett Crochet. Garrett Crochet last year was hitting 100, 101 miles per hour with his fastball, and hitters just had a terrible time making contact against it. Now he's living 96, 97 in the zone, and hitters are not having a problem. So if he can't get hitters out with his fastball, well, then he's just not very dependable within the White Sox bullpen. And he probably should be used less frequently. Uh, Aaron Bummer, for some really odd reason, is also struggling against left-handed hitters to start the season. So your two lefties in the bullpen are off to a slow start. I have more confidence that Aaron Bummer can get back into rhythm and make some minor adjustments, especially against lefties and start getting them out more frequently. But if Garrett Crochet cannot add more velocity to his fastball, then he is a different pitcher than we saw last year. And he may not be someone you want in your bullpen right now if you're trying to win. Uh, and hopefully if Jace Fry, who is another left-handed reliever for the White Sox that has to miss the beginning of the season because of back surgery, uh, but they're hoping to get him back in May, uh, there may be a possibility that they replace Crochet with Fry uh, and see and how that works out. 
but if Crochet can increase the velocity in his fastball, if he gets back up to the triple digits, then I think he'll be fine. But he's not the same reliever. He's not the same type of pitcher if he's throwing 96, 97 in the zone. Talking with Josh Nelson of the Sox Machine podcast here, 670 The Score, Rami Makloff, your host. What What are your early thoughts, early returns on Tony La Russa as the manager of this young baseball club? Obviously, a lot of folks wondered if that was the right fit when he was hired. How, how do you feel about Tony La Russa early on? I think he's trying to do the best with what he's got. Uh, I think for any manager in his position to have a devastating injury, like Aloy Jimenez um, being out for the most of the season, that's hard to overcome. Uh, I think White Sox fans are really frustrated with the way that he is utilizing someone like Andrew Vaughn. Uh, They would like to see him play every single day. But I think he's in this learning period with the roster of trying to get a feel of what he's got. And you can make the argument of, wasn't that what spring training's for? (laughs) (laughs) Which I understand. Uh, I totally get that. Um, but as far as like his, uh, his bullpen management, I, sometimes he just gets set in his old ways in the sense of you can use Liam Hendricks before the ninth inning. Right. It is okay. You don't have to wait until you have a lead to get him the ball. He's one of your best relievers. Use him in the most high leverage situations. So there's times where I watch La Russa and comment to myself that, no, Tony, it's not 2011. You don't have to manage the game like this anymore. Uh, And I I think there's a little bit that he is learning from and he is making adjustments on the fly. But listen, as far as the lineup card, if Abreu is not hitting, if Makata is not hitting, if Grandal is not hitting, I don't care how you draw up the lineup card. It's not going to be effective until those three guys start hitting. The the one real pleasant surprise of this White Sox team in 2021, and you brought him up already, Ehrman Mercedes. How how real we're talking about on, on the other end of the spectrum in terms of the bullpen in a disappointing sense, how real do you think it is? That in, in the positive sense, how real do you think what we've seen from your men Mercedes early in this season is? The power's legit, man. Being at Carlos Rodon's no hitter, I think a lot of people forgot about Mercedes, you know, first inning bomb that he hit. The the power is legit. Uh, What I like about Mercedes is that he has a different stance and different strategy when there's two strikes on him, which he's focusing on trying to get the ball in play. Uh, And that's really different uh, in today's game where a lot of hitters just have one type of swing. Uh, Mercedes is not that type of hitter. And I think he is doing a good job of putting the ball in play. And he, his strength is going to allow him to still, even though he doesn't have the leg kick with two strikes, Uh, to hit bullet singles or find a gap to split the outfielders and try to leg out a double. Is he going to hit 400? Absolutely not. Uh, But I think he's got an opportunity to hit 290, 300 as far as a batting average is concerned. And uh, with the power that he's got, it wouldn't surprise me if he's got a slugging percentage of 480 or 500. And maybe he can be, maybe he can have a Daniel Polka type of season for the White Sox, which he surprises. And you could fill him in the lineup card every day as a DH. It gets righties and lefties, and you don't have to worry about it. It's one of those pleasant surprises for the White Sox this year. And I think he could stick, at least for this season. Long term, I don't know. I really don't know because the league adjusts so quickly on these types of flash out of the pan type of hitters. And uh, we'll see the second time around if Cleveland has a different way of attacking Mercedes on Tuesday and Wednesday. 
But right now, I'm a buyer. I think it can stick. And I think Mercedes will stick in the White Sox lineup for at least this season. One last thing for you, Josh. I, I, right now, my, my weekday job, I host afternoons on the Scores sister station, 1250 AM up in Milwaukee. But before that, I spent a couple of years uh, in Minneapolis and, and talking twins at, at Score North, the ESPN affiliate up there. And mm-hmm. the way some folks were talking about this White Sox team coming into this year, like this division was theirs to lose, knowing a thing or two about that twins team. I was, I was trying to tell Sox fans, like, pump the brakes, not so fast. That's a really good baseball right. team that you got in this division what did you see as the Sox place in this division coming into the year and and I know it's only two weeks but has 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 your position moved at all as far as who the Sox are in their place in this division I felt like between the White Sox and the Twins is going to go down the final week of the season for our White Sox fans that remember 2000 to 2008 where it was the White Sox competing against the Twins and the Twins getting better the White Sox many of those times in that stretch that's just how I felt like these two teams are going to go toe to toe. I don't think either team's going to outrun one each of them. Like I don't expect like a ten game lead the Twins have over the White Sox. So the White Sox have a ten game lead against the Minnesota Twins. I expect these two teams to be in a very tight, close fight throughout the season. And you know, Minnesota's man, they got their problems too. Uh, it's a different type of six and eight record that the White Sox have. Uh, I don't think they're liking the Alex Colomay signing to start the season. Uh, and now the COVID issue is impacting them, and they're going to miss out the rest of the games against the Angels this weekend. And, you know, that's a whole different type of problem as well. And that's why I think for White Sox fans that are listening right now, I know it sucks to start 6-8, and eight, uh, but the teams are also 6-8. and eight. And nobody's really running away with the American League Central right now. So it's not time to freak out. If the Twins were 10-4, and four, then I'd say, yeah, you might want to start panicking uh, because the Twins could really get a comfortable lead before the White Sox and Twins play their, their games. But in mid-May to mid-July, the Twins and White Sox are going to play 16 times in the 60-day span. That, I think, will decide where both teams stand in American League Central. It's going to be a close, tight race. I don't think anyone's going to run away with the Central but that's what will make it fun in 2021. I'll bring this full circle and end with a end and end with a question about left field. You ever want to see Eloy Jimenez out there again, or or is DH his future? And that should that should be his future. Said and done. DH should DH will probably be his future. But if he, I think he's going to play left field next year. I just want him to play left field like Carlos Lee. Take it nice and easy, catch the balls that are hit directly at you, and let Luis Robert catch everything else. Just jog out there. Just jog jog Just to jog. everything that, that flies out to left. I, I like it. Yeah, if he's, I don't, I don't think he should be out there at all, Josh, but if he's going to be out there, I, I like that tactic. I like that strategy of just, just jog to whatever. You're, you're out here to hit baseballs. Whatever you can catch is a bonus in my book. Exactly. That, feel, the, feel the grounders that are hit to you. You'll be fine. That is Josh Nelson of the Sox Machine Podcast, my, last, my guest here for the last few minutes here on 670 The Score. Really appreciate the time and the insight, Josh. Thanks a lot, man. No problem. Have a great weekend. You too. And he joins me on the Alpamani guest hotline, Alpamani Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or at apnissan.com. I'd like your thoughts on, on the Bears topic that we were talking about before we talked with Josh there. How would you feel if they, if they gave Ryan Pace the leash, the leeway to trade up and get his next quarterback? I would lose my damn mind if that's what happens in 10 days from now at the NFL draft. Rami Makhlouf on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. With the second pick. 
in the 2017 NFL Draft, the Chicago Bears select Mitchell Trubisky, quarterback, well, North Carolina. Hello. And it was never the same again after that for the Chicago Bears at the quarterback position. Rami Makloff with you this Sunday afternoon on 670 The Score. Phone lines open at 312-644-6767 if you want to give us a call or hit us up in the tech zone brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at RosenHyundai.com. We're going to talk with Cam Ellis coming up at 1 o'clock about his piece that you can read at 670 thescore.com why we might learn a lot about Ryan Pace's job security from Bears first round pick 312-644-6767 and I started off the show saying that if they do let Ryan Pace trade up to get their next quarterback I'm I'm going to lose my damn mind that's one thing that I I just I I don't have the the patience for in this year's draft he's he he shouldn't be allowed to invest any of the future of this franchise in what has to be a make or break year it has to be a make or break year for Pace and Nagy and on top of the fact that I just don't, I don't trust him to evaluate a quarterback. Even if he gets the right guy, I don't trust Nagy to get the most out of that quarterback. After, after we've seen their quarterback evaluation and development in action with Glennon, Mitch, Foles, now they got Andy Dalton. I just don't trust him. And the most disturbing part about it, if, if they are allowed to do this, the most disturbing part about it would be what it means, like Cam says in his piece, about the future of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. Or at least Ryan Pace. That he's going to get the leash and the leeway of the development time of another quarterback. That can't be the case. He can't have three or four more years. Pace and or Nagy can't have three or four more years to to develop another quarterback. That's just not acceptable to me. Not if they're going to keep playing mediocre football and we're stuck with seven and nine and eight and eight records. I just, I can't. I can't let I can't let that slide. Robbie, I'm sorry. Just to let you know, they can't actually finish eight or eight or seven and nine. Oh yeah, that's right. 17 it's a seventeen game, game season. So. That's going to take some getting used to. I'm still calling the Chargers San Diego. If they go eight and nine, was that like is that better for you? No, that's still bad. I want a significantly more number of wins than losses. Is that too much to ask for as as a fan of a football franchise? A lot more wins than losses is what I'm looking for here, Sean. So if they go nine and eight, you're fine. No, a lot more wins than losses. I'm looking for like. Uh, I'm, I'm, all my math has changed. Now you're asking me to do math on the air. How about 10 and 7? That adds up to 17, right? How about 10 and 7? Give me a 10 and 7 year and, and actually thinking my team has a chance to win a Super Bowl. How, is that too much to ask? Is that too much to ask? I mean, Go Bears! It, it probably is with Andy Dalton at quarterback, but is that really too much to ask a 10 and 7 season and a real shot to win a Super Bowl? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, it probably is. I mean, I'm, what, I'm being what, unrealistic. What you're did right. this team like last year show you that they were a 10 win team. They lost six straight games. I, yeah, I know. I know that's, that's what I'm saying. Why are these guys still employed much less having the possibility, the ability to trade up to get the next quarterback. And you brought up like if they get Justin Fields or Trey Lance, both guys who I like very much. And and my initial response would be fist pump. Yeah. All right. We got that guy. And then I would remember the reality of it, that that guy is going to be left in the hands of Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. I can't even really get excited about the possibility of Russell Wilson because with everything that they'll have to give up in that trade, I don't think that they can 
put a, put together a good enough roster around Russell Wilson to be a real Super Bowl contender. What's too much to give up for Russell Wilson, though? I'm fine giving away th- like three first round picks and two players on the defensive side. On its face, in a vacuum, yeah, I'm okay with it too. And then I think about Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy down three first round picks and Jalen Johnson and whatever else they were going to give up to get Russell Wilson. And I don't know, I don't know that they can put that puzzle together, even with a legitimate bona fide proven franchise quarterback. 312-644-6767. Would you lose your damn mind as I would lose my damn mind if Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy are allowed to trade up and get another quarterback? And everything that that could possibly mean. 414-799-1250. Now that's the number on my other station. 312-644-6767. I knew I was going to do that at some point today. Either say the other station or say the other station's numbers. I host weekday afternoons on 1250 AM The Fan, the score's sister station up in Milwaukee. I will say this, though. And this is probably going to be surprising given my ranting and raving and diatribes in the first hour of this show today. Ryan Pace can redeem himself in this season. Ryan Pace can redeem himself. I often, the person I argue with more than anybody about Ryan Pace, although it's kind of stopped recently, my brother was a big Ryan Pace apologist before the Andy Dalton signing, and then they lost him too. Like He, he was the one. And then they lost him too. And he always says, I know any Ryan Pace apologist will say, well, you're just, you're hung up on the Mitch pick. That's the whole thing. You messed up one pick and you're just throwing Ryan Pace under the bus for one pick. And I always say, no, no, no. You can make up for one bad pick, even one that bad. But he just hasn't. He hasn't. And the proof is in the pudding of mediocre season after mediocre season, including after after trading up to get trading up future assets and investing the future of this franchise to go and get a player at the most important position in the sport, you not only didn't put a good enough roster around him to win, you went and got a coach who had no interest in coaching him up to the best of his abilities and getting the most out of him. So Ryan Pace shot himself in the foot with that. But, but since Ryan Pace is still the general manager... I guess I'll keep giving him a chance to prove that he can make up for that huge mistake of trading up to get Mitch Trubisky. There's only one way that that can happen, though, and that's for all these guys to step up and take huge leaps in their development. Darnell Mooney, Jalen Johnson, Cole Komet, James Daniels, and they are getting Eddie Goldman back this year. See, I like all those guys. I think those are all solid picks by Ryan Pace. I like Khalil Mack, obviously. I like Hakeem Hicks. He's put some good... I like, I, like, uh, I like the wide receiver core. He's put together a pretty decent roster, but obviously not decent enough and obviously not enough to make up for, for the trading up and getting of Mitch Trubisky. But if all those guys take a big step forward, then this football team could possibly be good enough for me to say, you know what? I might have been wrong about Ryan Pace. I'm willing to move off my position. I know a lot of guys in this business are not. Present me with new circumstances, new information, new data, and I'll move off, off, of, my, off of my position. Ryan Pace can redeem himself, but I'm not, I'm not giving him the freedom and the leeway and the leash of trading up to get another quarterback to do so. I'm not. I'm sorry. 312-644-6767. Let's get in Bob and Juliet. What's up, Bob? Here's a thought, and I like your response. Um, Pace is probably riding high at Hallis Hall. One, 
Uh, Mahomes was on not on anyone's radar, okay? Uh, so a number of general managers missed on that. Two, Deshaun Watson is now in legal entanglements that the Bears, the McCaskies, Hallises, they they go very far. You know, they don't they don't like that reflection upon their team. So, you know, Pace might be getting a pass uh, after the uh, Watson legal entanglements. Thank you. It's possible. I mean, they they maybe dodged a bullet with Deshaun Watson. We'll see how that whole case plays out because yeah the McCaskies don't don't no no franchise likes to have that type of thing floating around their front but the McCaskies especially shy away from any off-field controversy dodge a bullet absolutely but also like they have Mario Edwards on the team and he got he was arrested for a domestic dispute and he they just re-signed him this offseason right exactly I call crap on that and also and 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 also yeah I mean Pat Patrick Mahomes wasn't that high on a lot of teams draft boards but that's the Bears' job to have him high up on their draft board to to correctly assess and evaluate quarterbacks and go and get the best one, especially if you're going to trade up and give up so many future assets to go up and get the best one. And on top of that, a lot of people will tell you they didn't need to move up to get Mitch Trubisky. Well, and, and the Chiefs had to go and trade up to get Mahomes at 10, and he was still the second quarterback taken off the board. By he the was way, taken before Watson even. I'm not one to pat myself on the back. I am. But... On the radio, I said Patrick Mahomes on our draft show on the sister station of the score, 1250 AM, the fan in Milwaukee. I said Patrick Mahomes was the quarterback to get in that draft, in our draft show that evening. Thank you. I appreciate the slow clap, slow clap from you over there, Sean. Let's get in uh, one more call here. Mark Benton Harbor, you're on uh, with Rami Makhlouf, 670 score. What's up, Mark? Uh, just listening to you guys, enjoying your show and your information. And one thing I want to say is, Bears, they, they could trade for Patrick Mahomes. They could trade for Deshaun Watson. But you look at over the years, when the hell did they, have they ever developed a decent quarterback? Not like them. They don't have the talent to do that. So trying to give assets away and then trying to get these quarterbacks, which aren't going to develop, not in their system, it doesn't work. Mark, that's a great point. Thanks for the call. Yeah, quarterbacks don't just – I think everybody sees great quarterbacks and just assumes that guy was always destined and assured in certain – to be a great quarterback? No. You need the right environment to grow into being a great quarterback. I don't care who you are. Obviously, yes, some guys are coming in playing at a higher level than other guys and, and two or three steps ahead. But it still takes the right system, the right coaching, the right players around them, the right environment and culture. Can I lay out a nightmare scenario for you that I've thought of before, like an alternate timeline, a, a different universe in, in the Bears world? They draft Patrick Mahomes, right? But they're so terrible at developing quarterbacks that his ceiling in the Bears organization is just good enough for them to win like eight, nine, maybe 10 games a year. And John Fox is still our coach. Like he's good enough. He's good enough that John Fox is still employed like four or five years later, but not the Patrick Mahomes that we all see dominating the NFL in Kansas City. You know what? That's not that's not out of the realm of possibility. This is the same thing I'm saying about Russell Wilson coming to Chicago. These guys, these guys don't just succeed in a vacuum. I got to give them a little bit more credit than that. I feel like if they have Patrick Mahomes and he played better than, you know, Trubisky did in 2017, they'd do the same exact thing of trying to get an offensive coach. And they probably picked from the same tree, especially, you know, I mean, there, there wasn't anything wrong with Nagy in that round of interviews. 
No, no. I mean, on on the face of it, I like the Nagy hire when they made it. Yeah, I'm just saying. I think that the, they could draft Mahomes and still end up with Nagy coaching Mahomes. I think that that's still possible and possibly more possible than Fox. Maybe. Do I have time for one more caller? Should we get to Cam Ellis here, Sean? Quick. All right. Uh, it'll be Tony on the north side. Quick. What's up, Tony? Yeah, how you doing? Let me turn on the radio. Thanks, man. Yeah, so, yeah, I would absolutely lose my mind if uh, Ryan Pace was given the leeway to um, uh, draft, you know, make a draft for a quarterback in this uh, upcoming draft. I mean, he's proven that, um, you know, he's failed more often than he succeeded, and, you know, I don't think this organization can uh, afford to, you know, put their hands in the sky again, you know, uh, in the, for in the future uh, considerations. Appreciate the call, and I would be. I'll be honest with you. I don't know what he said to start the call. <laughs> he said something about being on the radio. Oh, no, and I just said, thanks, man. I threw out one of those thanks, mans that you do when you don't know what somebody just said to you, like in a loud bar. You think they're like, hey, you look good. I haven't seen you in a while. You're just like, thanks, man. Even though you have no idea that's what they just said. No, it worked. He said he was going to turn off the radio, even oh. though I wasn't playing. I oh, okay. <laughs> well, don't turn off your radio. No, stay tuned to 670 to score. Well, no, don't make phone calls with your radio on. <laughs> that's true. PSA. Yeah. yeah. And then tur turn it down, turn it back up. You can hear like the last few seconds of your call if you do that i'm gonna talk about this very thing with cam ellis the man who wrote the article that had just had steam coming out of my ears yesterday at 670thescore.com about what it would mean for ryan pace's long-term future if they let the bears trade up to get another quarterback cam ellis 670thescore.com and odyssey sports joins me next rami mack <laughs>